Coming up on this week's show, Lisa is here. She's going to talk about the five books she's most looking forward to in the new year. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 171 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamsrights.com, and with me, as always, is my co-host and awesome husband, Will Knaus. Hi, everyone. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable group of supporters on Patreon. A big thanks this week to LJ for joining us. We'll have more information on how you can join him and everyone else in just a few moments. Welcome back, everyone. We are in the second week of 2019. Uh, Hopefully yours has gone just a little bit better than mine. I was sick last week, and I'm even sicker this week. Um, 2019 is kicking my butt so far, and I am eager for... Something else to happen. (laughs) Something else to come along. Yeah, it's my fault he got sick, because I was sick first, but yet somehow you ended up with it worse than I got. I'm sorry about that. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about a podcast this week, because, you know, we are a podcast. So why not talk about a podcast? We've been listening for about the last three months, a podcast uh, from Chuck Wendig and Anthony Carboni called Ragnarok. And this podcast is about Thor Ragnarok. And it's only about Thor Ragnarok, or so they would have you believe. Uh, It's actually turned into much more than that. Now, Chuck, of course, is actually uh, a best-selling author and has his hand in many things and also runs the excellent Terrible Minds blog. Uh, Anthony Carboni, uh, I actually didn't know who Anthony was before this show, but he he hosts many things, including a very popular Star Wars show. And these two started breaking down Thor Ragnarok in 10-minute segments. So each hour-ish long episode would take 10 minutes of Ragnarok, Ragnarok and dissect it to pieces. I mean how it connected it to the to the multiverse, what was happening with the characters, what they liked about the movie, how the actors were going. They're big fans of Mark Ruffalo um, and, his, and, and Hulk. Um, I had no idea how much you could really break down 10 minutes of the movie. It's, it's like a little academic. Sometimes it's a little like uh, mystery science theater. Uh, you initially found this. Uh, and then I started listening to it too, and it kind of became a thing. And, uh, what I like most about it is while they are only a podcast about Thor Ragnarok, they really take some interesting divergent paths every now and then, um, and dig deep where it's appropriate. Uh, one of my favorite episodes so far was episode eight, and they had a guest, uh, by the name of Trin Garantino. Garantano, I think. I think I'm pronouncing that right, but maybe not. And they really dug deep on uh, bisexuality in this film. The episode was called Bisexuality is a Cape. Um, And everything, their whole talk around Valkyrie was very fascinating and and kind of deep diving. Uh, The past three or four episodes, however, they've been kind of stuck on the last five minutes of the movie. And they've been doing other things. Uh, They had a Hulk conversation about a box of treats they got from a New Zealand listener Um, because somehow treats in New Zealand had come up during the podcast Uh, this past week for episode 15 they actually talked about uh, New Year's resolutions and how most of us in week two might already be feeling that we're behind in the year and how to kind of get around that so honestly I hope these guys never get to the last five minutes because I have so enjoyed their banter back and forth and their smart and insightful discussions that I don't want this podcast really to ever end, uh, even though it is only supposed to be about Thor Ragnarok. What have your thoughts been on this show? Because it's really been a fun addition to our podcast lineup. Uh, I really love Chuck and Anthony. Not only are they uh, both incredibly smart and incredibly funny, they have a really uh, wickedly interesting chemistry uh, uh, across the internet airwaves. Uh, so every week is a joy to listen to. Uh, and their nerdy deep dives into uh, numerous subjects are uh, fascinating. It's like they have 
uh, infinite knowledge on an infinite number of ridiculous subjects. Uh, so, and as I mentioned, every episode, uh, every week is something new and different and uh, strange and interesting. So, we highly recommend everyone check out Thor Ragnatok. In the hockey player's heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knauss, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the schoolteacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the Hockey Player's Heart in ebook, paperback, or as an audiobook performed by me, Finn Sterling, wherever you buy books. So, plenty of books to review this week. I went on a tear uh, with some audiobooks and ended up with a Beachy Thomas double feature this week. Uh, first up, I read Getting His Man, uh, which is Dream Spun Desire number 48, so it's a slightly older one. Uh, I adored this. I adored both of these books, to be quite frank. Um, I just, it was everything that I love about Dreamspun Desires in, in a nice little candy coating of category romance goodness. Uh, forgetting his man, uh, we get introduced to Artie, who works possibly what sounds like the most soul-sucking office job ever. He is a cubicle person stuck on the phone all the time, and it sounds pretty dreadful. And he's also stuck with a drug-addicted roommate, which, you know, only adds to the joy in his life. Um, what he really wants is to live a Hollywood romance. He grew up with his mom watching all these old Hollywood movies, and he has very much this idea of what uh, romance should be. And he's just not finding it uh, in his small town. Um Unfortunately, one night, uh, he comes home from being out with his friends. His uh, roomie has some of his uh, druggy friends over, and they feed him a brownie that he probably should have declined in the first place, uh, but it's loaded up with a lot of pot. And uh, in short order, he ha has happened what his friends have warned him about, that one day the cops are going to show up while a party's going on, and he's going to end up arrested. And sure enough, he ends up uh, stuck in jail, uh, with other criminals, and and luckily one kind soul takes pity on him. Um, another gay man uh, kind of takes him under his wing and tells him that he needs to go get a, get himself a good bondsman to get him out of jail, and uh, provides a little uh, uh, other uh, advice to this newbie uh, jailbird. Uh, Artie ends up calling August, uh, who is a bondsman and bounty hunter and all around good guy, who of course comes gets him out of jail. Uh, with the requisite funds spent, uh, which is now cleared out Artie's bank account. And they end up um, kind of living out Artie's fantasy because Artie's been looking for a hero. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately or fortunately, he's very sweet. He's also quite naive, potentially more naive than, than a modern young man would be. Uh, but to me, it really played well in this story because he's looking for a hero and August is that hero. Uh, August steps up, realizes that he can't go back to the apartment that he was living in, lets him stay at his apartment while he kind of gets um, his situation sorted out. And in pretty short order, these two are starting to find that there, there's an attraction there that they're really not <laughs> sure they should act on while, you know, Artie is still essentially trying to get his name cleared and uh, August is slightly responsible for him since they... Uh, have that whole bondsman thing going on. Uh, but they still end up going out a little bit. Um, it, they end up introducing uh, August to Artie's parents. And everything seems to be going really well until one night uh, Artie is uh, kind of ambushed by his uh, awful roommate and the folks who have uh, stolen all this pot from the mob because it's not just pot that they were growing themselves. They, of course, stole it from somebody who is a bigger, badder evil than they are. And uh, rather than trusting August and trusting that August can take care of himself if Artie were to just tell him about all this, Artie decides to run away. Uh, 
now, August, being the good bounty hunter that he is, uh, is able to sort out where he's gone and bring him back. But there is a pretty awesome showdown that happens because the, the bad guys do go after one of Artie's friends. And uh, everything kind of culminates in a nice uh, moment where uh, Artie is able to dig down and, and find uh, heroics in himself that he didn't know he had. But he's also able to let uh, August... August is finally able to be the hero. And he realizes, too, that he actually wants to be a hero to somebody. Um, as much as he wasn't sure that that was exactly the right track for him to take. Uh, so these two find their love and find their happily ever after. And it was such... It really had kind of an old school movie feel to it. Uh, because that's so much the world that Artie kind of brings you into in his naivete. Um, so I really enjoyed uh BG's getting his man. But even more than this one, I swooned over the nerd and the prince. Which to me, this book is everything that a dream spun desire should ever be. Um, it had me from the moment that BG talked about this on social media and I saw this coming out. Because I love prince stories so much. And then you put a nerd in it as well, and I'm there. I didn't even need to read the blurb. The title told me everything. Uh, in this case, the nerd is Jason, uh, who runs a bookstore and restaurant from his house in a small town called Buckman, Missouri. Uh, Jason's also a romance writer on the side. He's had two books published. And uh, I, I, I would like to know Jason. I mean, he runs a bookstore and he has a restaurant in his little house. Uh, which I thought was just pretty pretty darn enchanting. Um, he meets Adam, uh, who is the neighbor that has moved into the house that uh, is essentially across the alley behind his house. And uh, Adam has come to this country. He's trying to find himself. Um, but what nobody really knows about Adam, it is actually Prince Adamo from a small European country that's located just off of Italy. Um He's really come here because he doesn't want to live the life that has been laid out for him. Uh, he's the heir to the throne, uh, but he also realizes that because he's gay, he's going to end up in a loveless marriage because, of course, the king must produce an heir. And this is this is not what he wants. So with the help of his younger brother, he's, he's essentially run away uh, from the kingdom. Uh, Jason and Adam kind of bond and... Uh, Get to know each other because, hey, they're neighbors, so they're going to bond. And uh, from the moment that Jason arrives with a lovely casserole, um, sparks start to fly because um, Jason's into everything about Adam, from his his looks to his accent uh, to the fact that he understands uh, Greek mythology. Um, Jason and his mom are very into mythology. Jason's books are rooted in some, in, in mythology. And this gives them an instant something to, to talk about. Um, they end up and do all the things you would expect uh, a young couple to do who is starting to find each other out. Jason shows Adam around town. Uh, they end up and take a trip into Kansas City where they can go to a gay bar. They go to a Kansas City Royals game because they're both into baseball. Um, everything is just wonderful with them until you get towards the end of the book and... Uh, Adam must go home. His father's had a heart attack, and he has to go back. Um, there's not really a choice. The, the royal bodyguards show up to bring him home. And uh, I really thought that this is where the, the hardcore black moment was going to come. Um, and actually, I thought it was going to come even earlier, because when Adam finally outs himself to Jason and say, I'm really a prince, and this is the deal... Uh, my thought was immediately that Jason was going to freak out. Oh, I can't be with a prince. I just can't do that. That's just not right. Uh, and oh my God, you didn't tell me this. Um, it actually went as bad as well as you could expect because there was, of course, the shock of, oh, oh, you're a prince. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. How did you, why did you pick me? Um, so all of that didn't become the big the big thing in the book, which I actually kind of like that it, it threw me a little bit. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff happens uh, when they get back to uh, Adam's homeland. Uh, and I like everything that BG did there. And that, that, that I won't spoil because it was, it was a tremendous part of the book that 
I was pleased that I couldn't forecast where all that was going to go. Um, so I really like that. Um, something else that BG did in this book that I like a lot, often with these category romances, you have a very short um, time window because, you know, you're only got about fifty to 60,000 words to tell your story. And so usually that can only happen over at most a couple weeks. There are chapters in here that are labeled as interludes that really allow him to use the device of essentially the montage of things that happen. So you see more about how this couple has spent time to understand how their relationship is deepened without having to have this book be, you know, another 10 or 20,000 words to show that. And so I really liked how that worked its way into this book. Um, as I said, I think this is a perfect example of a Dreams of Dreams Spent Desires book. Um, Seb Yerrick, who is new to me uh, for audiobook narration, uh, did the, the audio here, which I quite liked. And so I highly recommend The Nerd and the Prince. And of course, Getting His Man, which is a shout out to Kenneth Orby, who did the uh, audio on this one too, for doing a good job. So thank you, BG, for filling my week with some wonderful category romance. So this past week, while I was doing um, not much more than just laying on the couch, um, I read three books. Um, the first book I read was Okay. Uh, so since I'm not like super passionate about it, I won't be talking about it on this <laughs> week's episode. Uh, the second book I read was actually uh, an advanced reader copy. Uh, one book that I enjoyed very, very much, and I'll be talking about that on an upcoming episode. And the third book I read this past week was called Wolf Around the Corner by Aidney Ladner. And uh, I don't exactly remember how this book came across my radar, uh, but I'm really, really glad it did. Um, this was a re-release from a book uh, AD published uh, a couple of years ago. And it is essentially... Um, a small town shifter book. Um, the setup is that Tom is an actor uh, and he comes home from New York. Uh, he's uh, essentially a, a washout on Broadway. His dreams did not come true. Um, so he comes home to help his sister and his sister has essentially uh, reopened a local library building as a bookstore. And she spent an incredible amount of money to do this. Uh, so in order to create more revenue, she's renovating the upstairs area into a performance space. Uh, they can, you know, hold talks or poetry readings or plays, that kind of thing. And she enlists Tom to direct the inaugural production. And she needs this production to create a big splash because she wants to sort of revitalize the downtown area of their small town. It's sort of a, an arts district. There are other factions in the town who want to like bulldoze everything and create a strip mall. Uh, but she's more passionate about what is already there. So there's a lot riding on this small production of Tom's. Uh, the show, they decide, is going to be a uh, retelling of Beauty and the Beast. And the bookstore manager, a guy named Frank, is actually going to write the adaptation. Uh, he has published one book previously, so he's the logical choice. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, Tom and Frank get to know one another. They are immediately attracted to one another. Uh, and they qu Tom quickly finds out that Frank is actually a werewolf. Uh, their cute meat is actually very cute when Frank's uh, shift goes awry and he ends up naked in the bushes in front of their uh, apartment building. Uh, it's adorable and ridiculous and uh, everything you'd want sort of in a romantic comedy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when Tom and Frank begin working together uh, and when Tom finds out about... Um, Frank's lycanthropy, he comes up with the brilliant idea that not only is Frank going to write this show, he's going to star in it as the Beast. Because oh, no. <laughs> what's better than an actual actor who can turn into uh, a man and Beast right there on stage in front of everybody? Um, what was really interesting about Wolf Around the Corner is, is that um, it takes sort of the uh, shifter werewolf trope and kind of turns it on his head. It explains lycanthropy as a genetic condition um, 
there's sort of a dormant gene in Frank's history uh, that makes him a, a werewolf shifter. Uh, and because of reasons, uh, he's sort of, instead of the like uh, big, strong alpha male that you see in these kinds of story, he's very withdrawn uh, and very uh, sort of cut off from the people around him. Uh, you know, he doesn't tell everyone he's a werewolf. It's something that, it's... you know, he keeps pretty private and on the down low. <laughs> uh, so this is, for him to perform in this play, uh, it's a, a big step. He's essentially going to be coming out to everyone in town. What I really enjoyed the most about this is that I think when it comes to Tom and Frank, there's a really interesting dynamic. Not only are they kind of uh, sexually attracted to one another, which is, you know, uh, important for romance, um, there's a certain a, a kindred spirit. They are, are drawn to one another because when they're together, they are better people. I, I mean, I hate to use the the phrase that, you know, they complete one another. <laughs> I mean, that's a little lame. But I think what's really nice uh, and what the author does is is when they are together, you can, you know, definitely see um, that, you know, they're a better person when they're around one another. Something else that I liked about this book is not only is there really... Uh, palatable chemistry between the two main characters. Um, there's also a really delightful cast of secondary characters uh, that sort of exemplify the kind of warm, cozy feeling that this book has. Uh, primarily the actress who ends up playing Beauty in the play. She is the wife of the uh, town mayor. Um, so she's, of course, a bit of a diva. You would expect that because she's kind of a big fish in a small pond. But what's also readily apparent is that she cares uh, very deeply about Frank and she understands what a big step this is. Not only like, you know, putting himself out there, being on stage in front of everybody, but essentially coming about, about you know, being a werewolf in this small town. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's really remarkably kind and supportive, uh, as is everyone in this book. So I, I really, it was just really, really nice at the beginning of 2019 to have this sort of um, warm, kind, sexy uh uh, werewolf romance and I <laughs> I said this about books in the past but I just really needed this book this week uh, so I highly recommend everyone check out Wolf Around the Corner by A.D. Ladner Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review your comments help other readers of Gay Romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So this past week, I had the opportunity to talk to Lisa. Usually we say Lisa from the Novel Approach, but they're going on hiatus. And uh, Lisa and I talk a little bit about that in the first part of this segment. And then we get into five books that she's looking forward to coming out this year. Very happy to welcome back Lisa to the podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's always good to be back. You know, and it's weird this time because usually I introduce you as Lisa from The Novel Approach. Yeah. And of course, The Novel Approach is, you know, essentially started well into its shutdown. Oh, uh, yes. Or at least hiatus. I think it's officially called the hiatus. Well, you know, I didn't want to call it a, a shutdown because as soon as you say never, you know, you end up eating that word. So, uh, I, yeah, I just called it a hiatus for now. Um, just kind of taking the opportunity to kick back, uh, read a lot without the pressure of knowing that I have to read a certain book in a certain time period for a certain release date. Um, yeah, so I'm just recharging my batteries a little bit. It had been seven years 
And seven years is a, is a long time, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, to put out, you know, however many. Well, and and seven years for that blog, and two years prior to that with with two different blogs as a reviewer. So you know, that's that's a lot of reviews. That's over a thousand reviews in you know eight or nine years. And so I was a little bit ready for a break. But uh, of course, you know, if I find a book that I love, I'm still going to write a review for it, and I'll put it out on Goodreads, and you know, and I was still. Pre- promote it uh, and my love for it, but uh, in in a less official capacity for now. So, um, you know, really, though, it, uh, I couldn't have I couldn't have done what I did for seven years without the help of, of my team. Um, it's such a great compilation of reviewers over the years. And of course, they, they came and went. Uh, reviewing is, is makes reading work, and I think a lot of people go, "Oh, free books!" But then they don't realize <laughs> that it, that there's a lot of a lot of work behind writing uh, a, a a good comprehensive review. And so I, I, you know, people came and went over the years, and of course, no hard feelings because reviewing is not for everyone. But the folks who stuck with me until the end, I, I just absolutely love and adore them. And and I couldn't have done it without without them. And I, I have appreciated so much uh, the outpouring of of support. And we are going to miss your blog so much. And from readers, from authors, from tour promoters, from publishers. So it's it's been uh, very humbling and and gratifying on the one hand. Um, and then on the other hand, it's a relief. And then on the third hand, it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's very bittersweet. But uh, that's why I said that's why I didn't call it a shutdown, because I am sure that eventually someday I'm going to, to miss it. And I will maybe, you know, want to reboot things. And in the meantime, uh, the blog itself is not going anywhere. I own the domain, my, my uh, service provider is paid up through, I think, 2022. So the content Content is going to remain there, and and if slash when I do decide to reboot it um, uh, later in the year or next year, then I can do that uh, certainly, and maybe sort of rethink the structure of it a little bit, mm-hmm. make it geared uh, maybe more towards reviews and uh, maybe doing more author feature interview type things. So it's something that I've even. I've even put some thought into. So, of course, you know, again, I'm leaving that door open. But but for now, we're just taking a little break. That's good. And we're, and we're glad that you continue to, you know, join us here and, and be able to share your love of the books. Because as I've often said on the show, my TBR always grows after we talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. And you know what? That's always been what it's about. My love of reading, my love of the books my love of, of the authors who write the books in this community. So, so that has not changed. That has not changed at all. It was, uh, it was just kind of the, there's the day to day. I think some folks don't understand how um, overwhelming running a review blog really is, especially for someone like me, like Jay, um, who, who run it, solely on our own. And I did have some folks ask, you know, have you thought about letting someone come on and run the blog for you while you take a break? And, you know, I, I am, I'm not too proud to admit that I'm a control freak. And it, you know, if there was still content going out there, that's my name, it's my blog. And I would still be there every single day, making sure that, you know, all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed and, and, and the, the way that I feel uh, reviews should should be written with with accuracy and respect and and I I would just still be there every day and so I needed to to make that clean break for a mm-hmm. while so that I wasn't wasn't out there just still obsessing right which I which I do I mean I'll admit it <laughs> I'm a type A anal retentive control freak and I am not too proud admit that <laughs> and of course reboots are all the rage so you know yeah. down the line when you decide to make your return <laughs> approach right <laughs> yeah will and grace did it too and they did it so seamlessly see will and yeah. grace spider-man you know has rebooted never, yeah. numerous times yeah 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 you're Absolutely. right in there with the with the, with the popular zeitgeist so <laughs> doing what all the kids are doing these days. 
<laughs> so let's look at books because that's why we're here after all. Uh, exactly. I know you've been making a list about um, what you're looking forward to this year. Oh, my gosh. I have made a list, checked it twice. <laughs> said, oh my gosh, there's a lot of stuff out there I'm looking forward to this year. I kind of, uh, for the most part, I went by my best of 2018 list, um, which was which was prodigious and it was very difficult to narrow down because I feel like I had an amazing 2018 in terms of books. And of course, Gregory Ash was on there. Um, and uh, he's got his, uh, the, the third book in his Hollow Folk series that's going to be coming out this year. I don't know when. He's told me that he's in the process of writing it though so we've got Vi Elliott coming up and that whole world which is just uh, some some really fun YA uh, speculative fiction so I'm, I'm of course looking forward to that um, I, I encourage you to tune in next week because yes, Gregory's I'm on excited. and he'll be talking about I Hollow Folk so excited so excited to hear uh, hear Gregory's podcast yeah he's he's just really just such a fabulous person so looking forward to that Absolutely. Um, and then, of course, I was I was saying before we started the recording that uh, Jordan L. Hawk's next Hexworld book popped up in my email this morning. Um, so I have the arc of that. And this this is the fourth book in the Hexworld series. And this features two characters who have been introduced over the course of uh, of the series. Uh, Bill who is a, a, a policeman. He is he, he has no uh, paranormal skills whatsoever. He's not a part of the Metropolitan Witch Police. He is a, he is an NYPD in New York police uh, man. And uh, he was Tom's uh, peer and and friend who Tom was the star of the first book. Um, in the series, and Isaac, who is a friend of Cicero's, who was also a uh, feature of Cicero, was Tom's partner in the first book. And so Bill and Isaac's story now is coming to fruition. And so that is uh, something that I'm amazingly, I have it loaded on my Kindle. I'm starting it this afternoon. I can't wait. It comes out in February and I'm not sure exactly the day in February. I just know that it's in February. And, uh, yeah, so there's going to be, this one's going to be, I think a little angsty because, uh, Isaac was horribly, uh, he was, he, he was taken prisoner and, and, uh, his magic was being sapped from him. And so he was just, uh, he's going to have some post-traumatic, issues to overcome. And, and, uh, so yeah, their story is going to be just phenomenal. I just know. And you know, it's Jordan O'Hawk and she had, uh, they rather, they have never disappointed me ever. So, uh, so yes, I'm looking forward to her, uh, next book and let me get, it's called Hex Hunter, Hex Hunter book four in the Hex world series, which is coming up. Um, Another book that I'm looking really forward to, and I know this was on my uh, 2017 best of list, uh, Axios, A Spartan Tale by Jacqueline Osborne. Uh, that book just ripped my heart out. So let me just tell you, for anybody who does not enjoy tragic romance, uh, this is probably not going to be the book for you. But Jacqueline has decided to retell parts of that story from Eric's point of view. Um, the first book was told from Axios's point of view. And so this book is going to be told from uh, Eric's point of view. So we're going to get a very different uh, feel to the story. And we'll get some, some sort of filler scenes that you don't get when you get that limited point of view from one character. So that's going to be really interesting. And, and I don't even think she started writing it yet, but I am looking very forward to that one um, again, because I, I just that was just a book that was right up there uh, with the Song of Achilles for me in terms of just the sheer epic romanticism of it. But then uh, just the end just gutted me. So sometimes I don't mind a book like that. I know that a lot of folks really require the, the happy ever after or the happy for now in their romance. But but sometimes a tragic romance is is, is just a OK. So so that one's coming up, which I'm really excited about. 
Um, you know, I know that I was telling you about a book and this one squeaked in at the very like 11th hour on my uh, best of 2018 list. And I told you I was going to talk about this book. Um, K.D. Edwards, The Last Son. It's, I believe, his not only his debut novel, but it's the first novel in his uh, series called The Tarot Sequence. And this book has just really, really kind of took me by surprise. I had purchased it when it first came out, and then it sort of languished on my Kindle, you know, as books will tend to do when something grabs you right away, but you can't get to it. And so it kind of got buried on my home screen on my Kindle, and I had come across it. And so I said, oh, I remember buying this book. And I started reading it, not even remembering what it was about. So I went into it completely blind. I hadn't gone back to read the blurb or anything. And it just kind of blew me away. Um, this the 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 tarot se uh, sequence is, of course, based on tarot cards, which I, I am just not even at all familiar with uh, them other than, you know, they have the major arcana and the minor arcana and they're used for cardomancy or divination nowadays. Uh, and I but I don't really know the meanings of the cards themselves. So it, this book, after I finished it, prompted me to kind of go back and research a little bit and see how the author played the meanings of those cards into uh, into the story itself, which was really interesting. But uh, the crux of the story is is Rune Sun, uh, his Rune Saint John, Rune Son of the Sun Throne. So the Sun card, of course, in, in the Major Arcana, has has meaning to it and and uh the the tarot cards themselves when dealt have one meaning if they come out upright and they have another meaning if they come out in reverse so that was something that i learned in my research and so the sun card in reverse um it means that that things are unsettled so uh i i actually even read it wrote it down here um that in divination, it, it's it is a lack of clarity. Uh, things aren't sorted. So that really fit into where Rune is right now in this particular story. But uh, it's kind of fun. The world building is so much fun. Uh, this the Sun Throne and and all of the characters were original Atlanteans. So when the when the island of Atlantis was destroyed by humans. The Atlanteans who survived, which Rune is the only uh, Rune and his his companion, which I'll get to that here soon. Uh, this book is so big; it's just hard to even s do a summary for it in in such a short time. But uh, but Rune is the Rune and his companion are the only survivors of the Sun Throne, and they the Atlantean Atlanteans use their magic to repurpose the island of Nantucket into New Atlantis. So, yeah, so wow, that's quite the repurposing. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So so they use their magic to repurpose the island of Nantucket into New Atlantis. But there is a place on the island called the Westlands, which is where all the magical waste sort of has gathered. And so it's it's a, it's you know, you don't go to the Westlands because it's just uh, it, it's a dangerous place. But of course, you know, the the main purpose here of this story is Lord Tower, which the Tower card is is, a, is an almighty sort of very powerful card. And so Lord Tower, his his godson has been kidnapped and he uh, he hires, I suppose, not kind of requests that that Rune and his companion Brandon go and rescue Adam St. Valentine. Uh, nope, sorry, out uh, Adam St. Nicholas, uh, which is another fun thing. Every Everybody's last name is Saint something. So it's kind of even, uh, you know, working in different mythologies within this tarot uh, card system. But uh, Adam St. Nicholas has been kidnapped. And so uh, Rune and his companion Brandon, Brandon go on this quest to uh, the Westlands to save Adam's life. Well, and I call Brandon a companion because... Uh, the Rune and Brandon were bonded basically in the cradle. So, uh, so Brandon is brother, warrior, 
bodyguard. And I said that I hadn't read the blurb and I thought that there was going to be a romantic element to Brandon and Rune's story, but there was not. There is just such a deep, deep loving bond between these two characters. And it's really, really amazing the way that the author um, presented it and presented their bond and the witty banter and the sarcasm and the snark. And, and it just was, you know, they would die for each other. And it's not something that he just tells his readers. It's something that he shows them with every single battle. And Lord, there are so many battles in this book. Um, but each, each battle, you know, as, as one came up, I thought, oh my gosh, not again. I don't know if I can take this, but each battle that comes up is really an evolution for Rune, who uh, who has his seven sigils, and that's how that's where his magic is stored. But he also has the aspect of of the Sun Throne, so uh, so that those aspects that he hasn't always relied on continue to evolve and he continues to get stronger through each battle. And so it's just really, there's betrayal and there's intrigue and there's action and adventure and suspense. And it's just a, it's just a really, really fun book. And the, the sequel to it was supposed to come out January 22nd, but for whatever reason, and I'm not going to question it because all I want is a great book. I don't care when it comes out is it's been delayed until September. Um, and it's the hanged man, which is also another card in the major arcana. So, uh, it, it is, it, it is, uh, involving this, a teenager who Rune has been, um, assigned to protect his name is Max and it, uh, been ordered to protect until his 21st birthday. And so Max is going to have a very integral part of, uh, the story and the hangman. He is basically going to be really the protagonist. Um, so that's, that's going to be really interesting. And the, the characters, there's so many characters in this book, but they all come together. And, uh, Adam's little brother, Quinn is a seer and uh, he's just so sweet and so charming. He's like, I think he's 15. And he's he, he is not only a seer in terms of seeing the future, but he sees all possibilities for the future in every situation. So it's like, it reminded me of, you know, when, uh, when Dr. Strange in Infinity War says he sees you know, 14 million, whatever probabilities, but only one will work. And that's kind of Quinn. He sees all of these probabilities, but, but there's only, there can only be you know, one, one outcome. And so he plays this, this huge role. So, so yeah, it, it sounds convoluted and I'm sure I didn't do a very good job of summarizing it, but Katie Edwards, The Last Son, uh, was just a really, really fun book. And it, it, it really, it was one of those books I went into with no expectations and came out of like, wow, that kind of just blew me away. So that was a lot of fun. So the hanged man comes out in September. You, you made that sound so awesome. I think that's the one I think you're adding to my TBR from this, yeah. from this <laughs> chat. It sounds so layered. It, oh, there are so, so many layers, but it's never, it's never a situation where you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so lost. It's a situation where the author just really took every thread and wove it into this, this really amazing world populated by these great characters and, and, uh, yeah, it's just and and there is there is I mentioned that I thought that Brandon and Rune were going to have a romantic arc to their story, but it's actually it looks like maybe it's going to be Brandon and Adam who who are rather I'm sorry, Rune and Adam who Brandon and Rune uh, rescued. So so that's that's interesting coming up too. That is that will be interesting because uh, I think Rune is is hesitant but Adam is going to be persistent. So, so that it's just, it's revenge and it's just so fun. So fun. Yeah. So if you do decide to read it, I think you'll like it. And you I, have it until September before book two comes out. You've so. never <laughs> led me wrong. I yeah. mean, so. <laughs> That's good here. That's good here. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those books where I was like, I don't even know why it popped out at me when I bought it. I mean, I guess there must have been, I just was like one of those, 
recommendations that I saw on Amazon and I thought, oh, that's a fun cover and it sounds, you know, sounds interesting. So let's just one click it and see what happens. So it was really, really good. Really good. Yeah, I love those when you have no expectations going into a book and then just come out of it. Uh, yeah, those are the best. It's like take a chance, and then it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, with especially with a debut book, a debut author. Um, there's, you know, you have no history, but what a way to find a new author, you know, just just to get so engrossed in a book and so involved with the characters and so uh, impressed by the world building. Lots of fun. So Lots that's fun. four really awesome things that you've given us. Anything else you want to throw out there? <laughs> Do you want to cut me off? Because <laughs> I've got lots. <laughs> Give us one more. Give us one more for for a. Oh my gosh, one more. Okay, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go off list. I had several others here, but I'm gonna go off list. Haley Turner wrote a book in 2018 called uh, "Fairy of Bones and Gold," and I, it was one of those books where I always meant to bring it up during one of our podcast recordings, but it kind of, it kind of fell where there were so many months in between the recordings that by the time I had read A Fairy of Bones and Gold, something else had come up that, that I ended up talking about instead. This book, uh, I had heard so many amazing things about Haley's uh, Metahumans Files series or Metahuman Files series. And so the, when, when A Fairy of Bones and Gold came up, first of all, I saw the cover and I was like, oh, I have got to read that book. And then I read the blurb and it would just seal the deal. And so I read, uh, I read it and was absolutely, it, again, if you love urban fantasy and you love world building, this book will blow your mind. It's got, it's mythology, it's, it's urban fantasy it's you know it even has some some fairy tale aspects to it it's again got action and intrigue and and betrayal and revenge and it's just really uh i don't know where haley came up with <laughs> with this but her imagination is just really impressive and the book is stunning and uh it, it's full of just again, just so much imagination and and action. There was just there was never a moment where I just thought, okay, I need to put this book down for a little while. I'm I think I'm losing you know my focus on it. You know how sometimes that does when when you just are reading and you think, okay, it's not the book, it's me. I was glued to that book from beginning to end, and so I know that she is. I'm going to be writing the sequel to it, hopefully releasing it in 2019. I haven't heard any promises yet, but fingers crossed she'll be able to get the sequel out in 2019. So A Fairy of Bones and Gold is just it really, really uh, exceptional, exceptional storytelling. The writing is just, um, you know, sometimes you just you read a paragraph and you just kind of sink into it like you just feel feel so much of it and you just picture it in your imagination. That's the way this entire book was for me. I just, it was, it was the best bit of escaping the real world for a while into a world that just, uh, I don't think I'd want to live in. <laughs> There's a lot of danger. There's a lot of danger and action going on there, but it was great to let my imagination just sink into it. And it was such a fun book. So Haley Turner's A Fairy of Bones and Gold, the sequel to that one. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. Fantastic. Well, that's five great books that we can all look forward to in 2019, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good year. Like I said, a lot of the books that I read uh, last year have sequels coming out that I'm looking forward to. So it's uh, I'm looking forward to to this year being another fabulous year of reading. Excellent. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for giving us some stuff to think about, and thank uh, you. we look forward to getting you back here to talk about some springtime reads in a, in a couple months. I'll be ready. I will be ready. I'm sure I'll have plenty read by then. Once again, thank you to Lisa for coming on the show and telling us all about an inordinate amount of amazing books. Yes. As usual, my TBR has been added to a little bit already. Uh, and I was also thinking about some other things I'm looking forward to this year. And I have a hard time, I think, focusing on 
books in the future because there's so many books in the present that I'm actually looking at. Uh, but there is one that I know that I'm looking forward to. Uh, February 26, Bill Konigsberg, who's one of my very favorite authors, uh, releases his newest one, which is called The Music of What Happens. Um, and I was even more delighted to see, as I was determining what version of this to pre-order, that the audiobook, or one of the two narrators on it, is actually Joel Leslie, who's doing this under his Joel Frumkin name. Um, so not only do I have a book from a favorite author coming out, but I also get to hear one of my favorite narrators on the audiobook. That sounds cool. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to a new series by some familiar authors. Uh, not too long ago, Riley Hart released her new book called Fired Up, and it is actually the first book in a new series called Fever Falls. Uh, and this is going to be a shared universe, uh, shared with her uh, sometime co-author, uh, Devin McCormick. Uh, the second book in this series will be coming out in February, so I am looking forward to that. I think shared universes um, certainly gained a lot of traction in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a really unique marketing opportunity for independent authors, uh, and obviously readers love them, so I think the idea of uh, shared worlds is only going to you know gain more traction and become even more popular in 2019. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I've enjoyed the the dabbles into shared universes that I've had. Yeah. All right, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Just a quick note before we go that you can always check us out on Patreon. If you're interested in helping to support this show and keeping it on the air and free for everyone listening, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Plus, you can learn about all the bonus extras that you'll receive. Uh, there's like a special bonus episodes, uh, sometimes additional content, lots of great stuff. Uh, once again, that address is patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Also, coming up next week, Gregory Ash is going to join us. Uh, he's going to talk about his Hazard and Somerset series. Yes, it was awesome talking to Greg. Uh, we talked even a little bit in Lisa's segment about that because she is one of his favorite authors. So come back next week to check that out. Awesome, guys. So remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.